Welcome to the Volusi Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy Uncle Peter. He will say words at you. My short opening thought for the day is on good luck charms. And it's a weird one, because I, I don't believe in magic. I think we've established that. But if you have a good luck charm, there is no real way to know if it's working. Because maybe it's just a placebo and it's not doing anything. But you having it makes you feel better. But there is the slight chance that if you did not have the good luck charm, that terrible things would befall you on a regular basis. It's almost better to have a good luck charm and not need it than to need a good luck charm and not have it. Which makes me think I should get a good luck charm. A follow-up question to the last episode. So I've actually got a bunch. I'm going to stick them all together. Why don't you like Facebook? So someone sent in an email and just said, why don't you like Facebook? Because I clearly said I really don't like Facebook. I didn't want to join Facebook. I'm a bit suspicious of social media, which I think by this point is clearly justified. When I came to Japan, I had a bunch of friends. I wasn't on Facebook yet. And then all the people I was meeting started to say, oh, give me your Facebook. Let's meet friends on Facebook. And that's how they were communicating with each other because the uh, app line didn't exist yet. And when that came, it took over everything. So if I'd come later, I actually wouldn't need Facebook. Line would be the more important thing. But because everyone I knew was on Facebook and that's how they were communicating with each other, I felt social pressure to join Facebook which is a bit out of character for me, but I actually did want to make friends and this seemed to be the way to do it. So I gave in and I joined Facebook. Now my name is very common. It's Peter and I have a very common last name. So there are hundreds, if not thousands, if not even millions of people with the exact same name as me. Two days after I joined Facebook, there I got a message and it said, hey, great name, why don't you join our group? And it was a group of people who all had the exact same name as me, which I found to be so clearly offensive and everything I didn't want to be a part of in social media. So at that point, I realized I'm never really going to enjoy this. I never want to be a part of this. This is not who I am. So the reason I don't like Facebook is because it seems to create up false connections between people. The fact that you and I have the same name does not mean we are friends. It does not mean we have the same interests. It does not mean we are going to like each other. In fact, I bet I like you less because you have the same name as me. The only benefit, though, is having an incredibly common name means when someone searches for me on the internet, there are people who are far, far more famous and more active on the internet than I am, which then makes it really hard to find me particularly on the internet. So it gives me a certain level of anonymity. Another follow-up to the last episode, because the would you rather question of that episode was, uh, would you rather poop a thousand gallons of mayonnaise or a Chinese throwing star? And the question actually only implied poop out. 
So my original thought was that the mayonnaise had to go into your body and come out and that would be less damaging than swallowing the throwing star and then pooping it out because it would tear up your insides. But I didn't actually think that's not part of the question. So they never say about how you get it in because if you eat the throwing star, it's going to kill you probably when it gets to your throat. So the only way to eat the throwing star would be to smash it up into little pieces. And yes, it's not pleasant to have to eat little pieces of metal, but if you smash it up into fine enough pieces, you probably could have it go through your system and do zero damage at all. So I might even revise my answer. If we can discuss how the object, in this case, throwing star, or the mayonnaise is getting into your body, how we're going to make that happen, then I might actually change it to, I would rather swallow powder metal and poop that out Unless when I poop it out, it suddenly reforms and becomes a throwing star. That's a secondary question as well. There's a lot of things to discuss. These would you rather questions are not simple because they never have enough details for you to fully understand the consequences of what you're doing. And I have to fill in the details. Most of these things I'm not answering. I'm just creating the full scenario so that you can actually make a real consideration. And next time someone asks you a would you rather question, that's what you have to do. Get them to fill in the goddamn details and get this shit right because they're not getting it right. They're just asking you random things, asking you to make an arbitrary choice that makes no sense at all. So I got a little, little hot there, a little heated, but I mean, this is my life and, and I want it done right. So if you have a would you rather question, feel free to send it to me because I will fill in the gaps for you. So as a follow-up, someone asked, what is the point of the 20 second hold down in judo? So why is it 20 seconds? So you know wrestling, they have three seconds. I think it's on your back or on your shoulders. It's really hard. Judo is a little more relaxed because you have to show control. So if the guy lifts up his shoulder and puts it back down, the timer doesn't stop. You just have to show you have controlled his body on his back for 20 seconds. When I actually started judo, it was 30 seconds. And they found that basically at the 20 second point when they did the statistics, almost no one got out in that last 10 seconds seconds. That last 10 seconds was almost meaningless. So they changed the rules and dropped it from 30 to 20. The reason they do it though is quite interesting. So it was chosen as 30 seconds because they went back to an old samurai tradition, which is so many things in Japan do. So the idea was you're a samurai and you're fighting another samurai and either you've broken or lost your sword. And so you've used your amazing judo technique to disarm him or throw him to the ground or something. But now you're lying on top of him in some way and you're holding him still. He's not dead. So if you just let go, he's going to get up and just fight you again. So you have to end the fight. The concept they came up with was it would take about 30 seconds for you to get your knife out. Because if you're a samurai, you're carrying a knife along with your sword. Maybe you're even carrying multiple swords, but you, you have a knife that you're kind of keeping for backup. So you get your knife up and then the other samurai you're holding down, he has armor on as well. So you need to find a way to get the knife in through his armor so you can stab him and kill him. They estimated in a hold down situation, it would take 30 seconds for you to get a knife out, find a chink in his armor and stab him so he dies. And in fact, all the win scenarios in judo are death. So if you do a perfect throw, and a perfect throw is basically just defined as fast and hard and flat on his back. If you did that, if we go back to the earlier podcast where I talked about throwing someone on concrete, if you did that on a hard, uneven surface, there is a very good chance they would die. If you are in a battle situation and you break a guy's arm, he's not going to be able to fight you anymore and he's going to die. If you choke someone unconscious, they can't fight back and then you can kill him and he dies. 
And the hold down is get your knife out, find a space in his armor and stab him and he dies. So all the end scenarios in judo are actually a simulation of murder. And that's why it's 20 seconds. All right. So we have, yeah, we're people time podcast mm-hmm. and uh, we've been enjoying the show. So we wanted to, we wanted to follow up on one of your previous episodes. Because we listened to an episode that featured uh, Drukpa Kunli. The gentleman with a penis who fought demons. Yeah. And the mental image has stuck with me since. But I, I, you know, I was wondering because you brought up that there is actually a festival where they celebrate. Yeah. It made me wonder if it was tied in. There's a festival in Japan, which I looked it up. It's called Shinto Kanamara Matsuri, which just means Festival of the Steel Phallus. So we're talking about a phallus that's made out of metal. metal. So probably not related, but in that... Um, is it related to Drupka? I wonder. That's what I wonder. Is the general like uh, penis celebration a uh, just an Asian thing, and they all have their own version of it? Just really quickly, the Drupka Kunli episode is episode 147, if you haven't listened to that, and you would like to hear about a guy whose penis is probably more famous than any other penis in all of history. Uh, in Bhutan, there is now cultural elements integrated into their lives based on this man's penis. Drupka Kunli is not very well known. I mean, the, the history and whatnot, he's relatively famous in Bhutan where he ended up. So he lived in China, he was born in China, and then he moved over to Bhutan later, and that's actually where he established his sort of temple, where he spent most days drinking wine and blessing women, and again, hand quotes as I say that, sorry it's not a visual medium, but uh, blessing women means having sex with women, and women would come to him for the blessing. That has very little relationship to Japan, and the, the penis festival we have in Japan. But, you did ask about, is it a general Asian thing, and I think yes, because the fertility festivals overall, you can find them in most Asian countries. And that's because there's a big influence of China. People, if you think evolutionary process, probably came from China to other countries through Korean stuff. So the base, the idea that the fertility is important because they have a penis festival, they actually have a vagina festival as well. It's just a little more subdued. So the penis festival, I guess not surprisingly, is up in your face. And the Vagina Festival is a little more, you know, wrapped up in mystery and secrecy. That is just me taking that too far. Uh, It's just a smaller festival. I think maybe it's because the Penis Festival is just inherently funnier. The connection between Asian countries is weird because Japan always wants to insist that it's unique. That's something you will never get away from when you start actually learning about Japan as a country. They are very proud of being a unique culture. They will go to extremes to try to make sure people believe that everything in Japan is relatively unique. They talk about the fact that they have four distinct seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter, as being special. Now, I've talked to a lot of Japanese people, and I've pointed out, in Canada, we have spring, summer, fall, and winter. In fact, everyone on the same parallel on the planet has the same basic seasons. I know that's not 100% true, but basically if you find something on, let's say, the 38th parallel, you're going to have similar seasons around the world on that line. They have a lot of trouble accepting that. And I, I, I actually have to point out, in Canada, is not just covered in snow all the time. We grow food. When do you think that happens? That happens in summertime. So what do you think happens between winter and summer? Well, that's, that's called spring. 
What happens between summer and winter? Well, that's called fall. It's the exact same seasons you have. So this is, shows how deeply ingrained the idea of uniqueness is in Japan. They even took that season thing a step farther. You can actually go online and look up 72 micro seasons. And you will find an entry of some sort where they talk about literally two weeks at a time sometimes the different seasons in Japan. That's how special everything has to be. And that's something you learn when you come to live in Japan for a long time. There is even a guy who claims that the evolution of sort of people in Asia did not come from sort of mainland China down through Korea to Japan. It actually went the other way. He's claiming that people originated in Japan, went up to Korea, and then through to China. And that's why, so that Japan is the origin of all the culture. We know that that's not just mathematically probably not true. And if you actually just look at the way the world works, it just doesn't make sense. But this is it. There are people here who are invested in the idea in the uniqueness of Japan. So yes, I think they all come from the same base religion or same base idea, but Japan will always claim that theirs is unique. You might want to just avoid that conversational topic and just talk about how great Japan is and how great the festivals are in Japan. Uh, and they'll be pretty happy with that. Would Velasa podcast ever consider joining the one you were saying about the... The festival? The festival. I, that's what I want to know. I would. Would, I'd, would Velociraptor I'd, go in and join up and... Do the dance. Go go take the statues of, of penises and this. I saw on... Maybe it was BuzzFeed, I think. They sell, like, suckers. Like, penis-shaped suckers. That's just for everybody just to enjoy while they're well, doing their a, festival? <laughs> there was a gif of four girls who were... Enjoying the sucker? Enjoying the sucker at the same time. Right. Just it, in and out the way you do with a sucker. And I was like, this is not... Uh, I don't know how old those girls are. I don't is know. this like, is it like big? Is it a huge festival? Is it's it... pretty big. Yeah. It looks like a springtime rejuvenation thing. So the phallus represents the the rebirth or whatever. I don't know. Right. But it has translated in modernity to uh, children with suckers that oh, are penis-shaped. And... Yikes. <laughs> there are multiple festivals around Japan. The penis festival is not just unique. You'll read about one. It's probably the biggest one. I live close to Nagoya. Uh, there's a small city close to Nagoya. It has a really big penis festival. I absolutely have no problem going there. It's super entertaining. It's actually a really good festival. And it's just because having penises everywhere is just somehow inherently funny in itself. So people get really weird really fast. And then the inhibitions fall away. So there is actually a picture of my older sister riding on a 12 or 13 foot wooden penis. And my sister, you would not say anything other than she is relatively conservative. So once those inhibitions drop away and everyone's comfortable with the idea of having penises everywhere, people make fun of the penises, they touch them, they rub them, they, they hug them, and they're not small. Like these are giant things that are all around. And then like you said, there's food and the food is all penis shaped. The one that struck my attention for some reason is they take a banana and they carve it so that it has a head, so it looks like a penis, and then they dip it in chocolate, and you can have your chocolate-covered penis banana. The banana is relatively flavorless, and the chocolate isn't very high quality, but again, it's the, the size is kind of appropriate, so in seeing the men and women around eating that is already kind of weirdly amusing and satisfying, but again, once the inhibitions drop away, you just sort of laugh at everything around you. So uh, I want to go regularly, but it always falls on a day when I work. All, all our new people want to take the day off and go see it. So basically, I work almost every year on the Penis Festival so that my coworkers can take that day off and go enjoy penises to the max 
which shows just kind of the level of sacrifice I'm willing to make for others and their enjoyment of penis because I understand just how fun peni can be. I just want to celebrate somebody's genitals. Yeah. I don't care who. You can celebrate mine. We could have a small festival. I, I don't know. I hate to interrupt, but I don't know if you realize this or not, but I think you just made a small penis joke. All right, well, uh, we'll stop dicking off now. Yeah. Thank you to the guys over at People Time Podcast for their questions and comments. If you would like to record and send in questions or comments as well, of course, you can always just send an email if that's easier for you. But if you want to send an MP3, you can send it to velocipodcast at gmail.com. People Time Podcast is a podcast about history and historical figures. It's all about dead people. They are very thorough. They did one on Bruce Lee, which I, of course, is what got me into it. I found that really interesting because they actually said a couple of things I didn't know about, which is surprising because I was sort of a Bruce Lee fanboy. Uh, Then they did a two-part series on Eisenhower, who did a bunch of things I didn't know about. So as a Canadian, we don't study a lot of American history. So he did a lot of things I was just interested in. It was all the stuff about NATO. Found that really fascinating. So if you're into history or dead people or necrophilia, go over and take a listen to People Time Podcast. And yeah, your questions and comments, velocipodcast at gmail.com. Another would you rather question, uh, would you rather either watch your parents have sex every night and you have to keep your eyes wide open or you could join them once to make it stop? Now, like all these questions, we have to set up some criteria. Is this going on for eternity? Like how long does this last for? Uh, Do my parents want to have sex? Does this just happen when they have the desire to have sex? Because my understanding is most married couples don't have sex that often because they're too exhausted from having kids and having jobs and taking care of the life around them. So the amount of times this might happen might be minimal enough. But let's say we have to make it as horrible as possible. So it's going to happen every night and you have to watch every night. So your parents are particularly randy and they enjoy the act. Uh, Maybe they're even quite vigorous. The thing is, if you have to watch something every day, you would become numb to it. The implication of this question is that watching your parents have sex would be relatively shocking. Uh, But then they take it up a notch, you can participate once and it would stop. But I would bet after four or five times of watching them do it, it just wouldn't matter to you anymore. You wouldn't really care And there is the secondary issue of would your parents want to have sex in front of you? Now, it seems like there's some sort of compulsion. They have to do this. But realistically, if they weren't being forced to do it, I bet they wouldn't want to do it in front of you. So I would actually choose the watch every night option because I think pretty quickly it would not be that shocking a thing to watch and I wouldn't really care anymore. Now, it would probably have very negative impacts on my own personal sex life because I might actually find the act of sex less interesting because I'm forced to watch my parents do it over and over again. But I think that would be the preferable option to committing several forms of incest. And I'm actually betting that after a while, they would just stop anyways. podcast. Podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes.
Stitcher, Acast or go to velocipeter.com slash podcast. Size is kind of appropriate for a, a, a sort of an 